Our parenting correspondent is Catherine Gray, who is head of middle school at St Margaret's College. Today we're talking about how best to help teenagers navigate the challenges of social media. How can we help them set boundaries, especially if we're addicted to our phones ourselves? Catherine, welcome back to Nine to Noon. Good morning, it's nice to be back. Just remind us again of the age group that you have a lot of experience with here, the the middle years. Yes, it's absolutely my favourite time of a young person's life, but primarily between the ages of 11 and 15, at that sort of pivotal time when they are forming their own opinions, deciding who they want to be and making their way in the world, really. And what are some of the particular challenges, unique challenges of this age group and, and what they're dealing with? Mm. It is a really interesting time. It's a time when they start to sort of move away a little bit more from their immediate family, I guess, and look to outside of the house for their influences. Um, They tend to be becoming more independent and seeking to make more decisions for themselves. And then, of course, wanting to be a little bit removed from the the tight reins that the parents of perhaps or us as parents had had on them in those younger years. So they're pushing away, and that's a very necessary thing to happen. That they and they sometimes quite actively push away from parents, right? Quite demonstratively. <laughs> they sure do, and it's a really difficult time as a parent because you still want to have that lovely connection with them, but it's a little bit hard to know how to manage it and how far to keep those those reins in, or how tightly to keep those reins around our young people. Uh, Yeah, so it can be a challenging age in terms of that actual relationship. And as you say, the challenge is how much do you let go, but how much do you need to keep a a, a handle on? Um, Could you get a little bit more specific, I guess, about the social media side of things? Is this really, uh, unfortunately, perhaps a key focus now, a real focal point of how to navigate this stage? Yes, absolutely. At this time, it, I think the, one of the biggest challenges for, for us as parents is that it's quite different where our uh, young people are looking for their influences. When we were growing up, it was probably a sports coach or you know perhaps extended family. Whereas what I'm seeing now with the students I work with is that their strong influences are coming from social media. And a lot of the their modelling is about those people who are making their way on a social media platform. So that's how they've become influencers and that's what our young people are looking towards. And look, there's huge benefits to be had in that. We've seen some people do amazing things over social media, Um, you know, charities, fundraising, becoming aware of what's happening around us. Um, I guess it's it's hard for our young people to navigate which of those influencers share their values and share the values of their family and their home life. The other thing, Catherine, is, and this is where parents are as um, uh, susceptible as their kids are, because it becomes addictive, and it literally is addictive to constantly refer to that screen, we're overstimulated in many ways or receiving um, repeat data points of information that once we might have got once a day or or whatever, right? So we can end up almost ruminating or, or obsessed with some things that are happening. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I deal with a lot is we, we do, um, and, you know, young, young women, young adults, they, they ruminate over things. And you're absolutely right. When we were you know, younger, we would leave the school grounds, go home, and we were disconnected really from our friends, unless we were at sports or our arts um, activities. What we ha- what's happening now is you're right, it is completely limitless. There is no end to TikTok. You, you will never finish it. We go to a movie and the movie finishes. You read a book and you get to the end of the chapter, but our social media does not finish. And therefore, us as parents are the ones who really have to put those boundaries in place because 
time can just disappear and you can spend and look I'm guilty of this as well I can spend ages on on Facebook trolling through what's been happening or on Instagram and so I guess as an adult I know when I can say right I've actually had enough of this I need to go and do something but as a young person there is no break there is no getting to the end it is just a constant feed of as you say, a whole bunch of data that they're accessing through visual, audio, um, and and you don't they don't want to put it down because it is addictive and it is interesting and I'll just watch one more or I'll just watch this next thing, um, and of course the the algorithm that is behind the scene is is really quite intriguing because that's what's feeding you more of what you like, so the more of what you look at and the long the length of time in which you spend then that's going to feed that social media platform will feed you more and more and more of what you like. Um, so it's, it's very clever as well. Yeah. Clever. And, and you know, its founders will admit addictive in, in its design. One of its founders certainly admitted that in, in the case of Facebook. But here's the that's other right. point though, yeah. that the things that distress young people, this is my point about a data. If, if we say a data point is what's happening in the, in the, in the Ukraine war, right. Mm. Um, Pre-social media, you might have seen that on the news at six o'clock and heard someone talking about it once out one other time during the day or whatever. Um, as a young person, now you can be virtually on the ground, updating minute by minute, and that 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 just becomes overwhelming. Things that that uh, quite rightly concern young people. Um, can end up almost overwhelming them and they can end up very personally involved in things that once you could just step away from and get on with your own life, which is to be a kid, right? Uh, That's another issue with social media is just the relentlessness of particularly the negative or the scary stuff. Yes, and I would totally agree with that as well. And and I think our parents, we can, um, you know, going back to again when I we grew up. I don't want to sound like I'm old and all of that. And the, going back to the old good old days, well, it's only pre two thousand and five. Let's face it, it's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but we could control that. We could turn the news off or we could not um, not access it. But you're right. It is a constant stroll, um, constant scroll of bad news stories, really, and a constant um, dinging in the pocket of the next notification. So you are constantly tied to it and you are getting a lot more detail than we would ever have got about some of those situations like the, the Ukraine-Russia situation. And I do worry about our young people because our young people are innately curious about the world and they want to solve problems and yet all they're hearing is kind of negative stuff you know climate climate change wars around um mistreatment of of women across the world and so they're constantly hearing all of this and it doesn't kind of make the world a very nice place to to be really so unless we can sort of put some control on that and and which is really hard to do but kind of limit that um, a couple of examples I have from from my own experience is uh, we when we ever as I'm an educator whenever we run trips that go off school site we actually don't take phones so whether it's a school camp or whether it's an overseas trip we don't have our young people take phones and look it, it was a real challenge in our early years because we are constantly connected with our parents and so what we do instead is we create uh, a Facebook page where we share all of the images of what the students are up to. Um, one of the very first trips I went on, it was actually the students who came up with that idea. And one night they said, look, everyone's sitting at the table here, all on their phones. Let's ban phones from now on. And we did on that trip and we have continued to do that um, in the future. And I think that's a that's a, a fantastic thing. It gives us that island of, of time in which you're away from that device. Similarly, we do the same thing at 
the school. We have an island of time from 8.30 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon where our devices are away and, and not seen, um, apart from, of course, if they're for educational purposes. But I think we do create an opportunity then for our students to actually disconnect from that that stuff that is overwhelming. So to extrapolate that, could families have that kind of time, uh, households have that kind of time booked in as well, and good luck instituting it, but is it worth trying to institute it? Say, um, you know, say if you're away on holiday, for example, really clamp down on the amount of time that any anybody's going to spend on their device. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I am um, a parent myself of two teenagers and we, we, we often go away on our family trips and we are, we do tend to go to places where Wi-Fi is really limited and um, camping, for example. And yet the first day it's filled with lots of grizzles and lots of, oh my goodness, I'm not going to use my phone. And then by about day two or three, it actually turns, it turns right around and the young people then at the end of the trip, they say, well, hey, that was great. We didn't get on our phones. So you're absolutely right. As a parent, I think if we can provide opportunity for them to step away from it, it's great as well. There's another factor in this, which is part of the suffering, and I think that's a fair word to use, actually, of what many young people are feeling for multiple reasons at the moment. I mean, they've had so much of their routine, you know, ripped up over the last couple of years. But part of it is also um, that lack of connection to the physical world. And we know that that is essential to us as human beings and, and it's not experience through a device lots of things are experienced through a device but it's just that lack of attention and literal physical um, connection whether it's oral or um, visual with the natural world you, you can't do both at once you just can't no, you can't. And I think one of the things that we learned through COVID was how difficult it was to actually only use online platforms to connect with our students and for our students to connect with each other. And we tried to have things, you know, where they could connect with each other and have online classrooms and things like that. But I think the real benefit to, to human society is, is that, that, that personal element. And when the students got back together and were able to connect again, I think that is a huge a huge part of us as um, as a as a society, really, and being able to connect, being able to see when, you know, what you've said has upset somebody mm -hmm. because of intent interpretation and kind of monitoring your behaviour, I guess. The visual cues that we take um, from, from around each other um, very very vital. So there's all sorts of good reasons to do it. Uh, let's talk about how to do it. Uh, and you use the analogy that um, Celia Lashley. Uh, RIP used to use, putting a fence around young people. Um, at the same time as we're trying to let them go further, I don't know if the fence has got a few ins and outs, a few gates or whatever, or perhaps the paddock's a bit bigger, <laughs> but but just pick up as to what, about ways we can have that virtual fence. Yeah, look, I, I do love that analogy, and, and I, I think Celia Lashley did actually have it have all of those things thought about she talked about having you know perhaps having to have the fence electrified at times whether <laughs> with the boundaries were tighter um or whether the gate was swinging open and you could actually get in and out of that gate and and, and perhaps a little bit uh, you know at times shut the gate and, and padlock it so I do think that's a fantastic um fantastic way to think about it and to put the, the fence still needs to be there and it still needs to be able to be used at times and then we can let them have a little bit more, or as you say, make the paddock a little bit bigger, give them a little bit more freedom. Um, and as I say, I do love that idea of perhaps at times it might need to be electrified or perhaps a bit of barbed wire to keep, keep them in and keep them safe. And I think part of the conversations with our young people is about we're actually doing this because we know what our, you know, our core values are and we're helping to bring you up 
to, to recognize those and and for all of those reasons that we've talked about that the you know the the visual cues the audio cues and actually being being present in the moment with other people is really important well let's look at some of the key points you've got um first is to sort of get at the kids over this over their behavior in the digital world but um you know then to think about our own behavior um and could you just pick up on that whether it's how addicted we are to our device and when you know do not be do not be on it when when you're at your kids football game or whatever but also just the way adults you know um including some who you know who who may be quite close to them can use social media does it begin with literally with your own example i absolutely it does and i, I it always astounds me that we're really quick as a as a nation and as a, as a group of adults to to pick on our young people and go hey you're using social media wrong or don't put that sort of comment up or don't do that but then if we actually have a look at our own stuff i mean i've seen adults during doing terrible things perhaps some of those you know Facebook community groups is seen as an opportunity to have a bit of a go at everybody and you know that's really not what social media is, is for it's about us building each other up I guess and and commenting in, in positive ways to make society a better place and I, I do think our young people are the ones that we kind of really quick to to, to blame but yes having a look at our own behavior and our own thoughts on, on and how do we represent ourselves in the digital world one of the things that I think is really important is, is to encourage and, and teach our young people about is that digital footprint that they're creating. So every click, everything they watch, they're creating this kind of digital resume, if you like. And, you know, is that representing who they want to be and, and what they want to do? And it's really easy to like something as an adult, but actually when you're liking it, are you liking the right stuff? Are we liking stuff that is building other people up, that is encouraging other people? Or are we liking somebody, you know, perhaps being a bit unpleasant on social media? So I do think it's about holding the mirror up to ourselves, really, and having a look first, and then to having those conversations. That's the addictive feature that it was Sean Parker, co-founder of Facebook, absolutely admitted to. They knew knew when they found the like button that they had an addictive feature. Uh, But I think that's a really good point also to just question whether it's aligning with values. However you have that conversation, I can see some kids having the eye roll at the the, the thought of it. But to constantly bring back what's happening, um, your digital footprint and your behaviour with with who you want to be and how you want to behave, uh, as you might in in an event in in real life, if there's been a row or some bad behaviour or someone's been treated badly, you would have that conversation, right? Absolutely. And and I think that, that like thing, yes, you're right. It's so it's so easy to do. But are you actually thinking about what you're liking? And, you know, would you be liking that in a real world? And it is about sort of just, I guess, bringing back, bringing our young people back to their best selves as well, because generally they're, they're really good de- um, decision makers and they do make some really good, uh, you know, good contribution to the world. And so just reminding them of, OK, so if you like that and it's particularly unpleasant, do you really like that or was that just you know, something that you quickly did. Just did, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about limits and your view on um, how to limit the limitless, as you say. If it's YouTube, the next video just rolls on, undoubtedly getting more extreme, by the way, because that's what that algorithm will do. Mm. Uh, if it's TikTok, mm. there's the next one and then the next one and the next one. So how do you talk about and institute limits? Yeah, I'm. You talked before about um, teenagers eye rolling. My my teenagers are probably eye rolling at this themselves, actually. But <laughs> I do think it's up to us to actually say, "This is the time you put your phone down. This is the time you put your device down." 
this is, you know, don't have your devices in your bedroom. Don't take, um, have, you know, your video settings or, or so that you can be taking videos in your bedroom, those kind of things. You know, it's just about keeping yourself safe and being aware of those kind of things. I, I do really believe in um, a central charging place for people to be putting their phones in. Look, I wish I could say I was the, the perfect example of this, but yeah, I do have my phone by my bed, but um, I've learned about the sleep or the, you know, the turning the phone off, turning all your notifications off, all of those kind of limits that I've that you put on yourself, but we need to put those in a bit of a wider context. So the, the family charging station's a great idea. Devices in the family rooms and the lounge rooms as opposed to in the bedrooms, I think is also a really good idea. And as I said before, that kind of island of time, you know, meal times are important. Let's put our devices down, all of us, and, and talk. If you've got your phone in your bedroom, for God's sake, put it walking distance away. If it's right next to you, you'll do what I did. Pick up and look at the British newspaper at three in the morning and end up waiting to see you know, when the Queen was going to die because obviously things were <laughs> happening. I mean, I did not need to be doing that at half past three in the morning. So that's Absolutely the addiction. Right. So put that it across the room where you'll have to make an effort to get to it. Um, yep. the, the savviness as well. You, you, you mentioned that these are, this is a very smart generation and... What we really want for them is um, is the ability to manage their addiction, as we have to learn to manage ours to devices, but equally to um, to to be savvy and to be discerning uh, in in what they um, follow online or, or even what they expose themselves to. And how do you have that conversation as a parent and indeed as a teacher? How do you how do you get them talking about this stuff so that they're taking ownership of this? Well, I think information is is really powerful, and um, I often will use. I try to find as much as I can out about each sort of social media platform. And, and look, I mean, that's kind of a bit of a ridiculous thing to say because there's new ones popping up all the time. But each, you know, say TikTok, for example, I like to then find out as much as I can about that. So I, I found out, you know, where who owns it, where the who owns your data, what are the terms and conditions and all of that sort of stuff. And so I like to have a lot of those conversations with young people as well to say, okay, so it's, it's great that you want to be on TikTok and it's great that you think, um, you know, you want to be putting yourself out there in, that, in a, that sort of forum. But do you know who you're putting yourself out there to? Do you know what the, your settings are? Do you make sure that you're only, you know, accepting friends um, you know, we all know those stories of somebody who accepted a friend who was a friend of a friend and actually no one knew that person. So a couple of um, conversations I like to have with young people. One is about, you know, your Facebook friends. It's not a competition. You don't need to have thousands of friends. What you do need to have is friends that you actually know. And would you actually go and have a chat with them? Would you go to the mall with them? Would you go and have a coffee? Although that sounds like a very adult thing to do, doesn't it? Rather than young people. But you know what? Who are you actually sharing that content with? Because not everything is as 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 you as you perceive. So really getting them to think about, you know, who owns their data, who's getting your data, who's actually watching it, and who are you actually connecting with in that wider world? And are they the people that you really want to be connecting with? Thanks very much, Catherine. Much appreciated. I just wanted you to touch for a moment though before you go on what something you said earlier, um, which is you know, kids ruminating on uh, sort of existential crises. And I'm interested in how, as a teacher, how you talk to them and with them about that in a in a school context. You know, it's um, um, existential crises have always been with us. It's something you go through as a young person when you first become aware of them. How do you have those conversations in a way that is, you know, 
acknowledging what they're thinking and feeling, and, and but not overwhelming them? Yeah, look, that, that's a great question, and I'm not sure I've got all the answers to that, but I, I do think it is that um, allowing our young people the time to talk and the time to process it and the time for them to actually then, because when you talk something through, often you sort of start to, to look at it in a bit more detail and kind of, you know, what are the what are the pitfalls of it? And then actually be able to hopefully close that sort of chapter and say, look, you know, you've, you've had that opportunity. We've talked about that. Now we do need to get back into that kind of real world, if you like, or the, or the, the present time, because we could spend forever worrying about this and not actually getting anywhere. And, and, and as you said, you know, ruminating on things and so I do think it's about allowing our young people the time to form their own opinion, to inform themselves, but also to say, look, you know, it is okay now for us to step away from that rather than staying in that zone. Similar yep. to what we would do if there was an, an incident or, a, you know, an accident, I guess. Really wise. Thanks very much. Catherine Gray is head of school, uh, head of middle school at St Margaret's College.